What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I am your host, Christian Oblena. And today, today is July 22nd, about a week away from the restart of the NBA. And I feel like today, or just this week in general, we've had probably uh, the best collection of good news, the most excitement uh, for this restart, you know, right? Like the past couple of weeks, obviously we've seen a lot of people test positive for the coronavirus. We've seen um, people had to leave, like Zion had to leave, I think, uh, from the bubble, from a, a personal issue. Uh, hopefully everything is okay with him and his family. Um, even Montrez Harrell had to leave uh, the bubble and just there were these things that were going on in the bubble that didn't make it seem like everything was going well. Um, some players complaining about, you know, the, the hotline to call and like snitch on people and, you know, things weren't looking that great in the bubble when it first started. But I think this week is a great sign for the NBA, um, because they recently just, um, release all the tests and all the test results from all the players uh, being tested this past week since July 13. And there were zero positive tests for coronavirus. And for someone like myself who wasn't uh, super confident in uh, the bubble and keeping them safe because of just the type of hotspot for coronavirus that the Florida is in, that Florida is just the whole entire state and just the region that they're in, um, in Orlando is a crazy spot for, for coronavirus. I mean, um, it was scary just to have all the players and all the coaches and everything there and all the workers that are trying to make it uh, possible for the NBA to have this year and to, to have all the test results come back and zero, um, Testing positive is a great sign, although it is something that is very good. Uh, it shouldn't be, you know, it should still be, um, what am I trying to say? There should still be some caution, um, of course, throughout the rest of the time that the teams are there. Uh, it is a great sign, especially with a week before uh, the start of the season. It is good that there are no positive tests right now. It seems like uh, the players that are able to play are going to be able to play at the start. Um, the biggest question is just whether it could hold up for the next three months. And, you know, once teams start getting eliminated from the playoffs, like the team, the teams that don't make the playoffs, once they get um, you know, eliminated, there's less, there's going to be less risk because they're not going to be in the bubble anymore. And then obviously the more they go on throughout these playoff series, uh, when teams start getting more eliminated, there's going to be eight teams to four teams down to the last two. Um, there's going to be the least, you know, uh, danger to, you know, spreading the virus and having the virus still be in the bubble. Um, there is still some, some questions, some danger around, you know, older coaches. Um, obviously we've seen the, the quote from pop coach Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs saying like, quote, I don't want to die. And you know, the interview with him and it, it's a legit concern, right? Cause 
he is at him and probably some other assistant coaches who are around his age, maybe a little younger, but still, you know, older, a lot older than a lot of the players. Uh, they have some concern for their sake too, right? For their health. And uh, if they, they're, if they get the virus, you know, they're, you know, it's a lot more dangerous for them because of their age and just how susceptible they are. Um, and we've seen that right throughout the entire year when someone that's older um, is possible to test for test positive for coronavirus. It, it's scary because the ramifications and anything that could happen with that. So hopefully, you know, this is a good sign. Hopefully they could build off of that and keep all the players and coaches and everyone in there safe. So that's great. Um, a couple of other news uh, from the past couple days, the draw flattery has just been moved up five days to August 20th. Um, with all the playoff teams determined by that point of the season, uh, the league can move forward with the draft lottery. Um, an earlier date gives teams an opportunity to do more advanced scouting based on their position. So the teams that aren't in the bubble, uh, they have five less days, but it, I mean... I mean, it gives them five more days uh, to prepare because they know what pick they're going to have uh, five days earlier. So that's good. Um, although no combine has been an announced, uh, Jonathan Giveney of ESPN reported last month, the league was hoping to bring prospects to Orlando for measurements, interviews, and medical tests. So that part um, is a bit scary because then you're bringing more, more players Uh all these potential draft picks uh, into the bubble. Uh, there's probably no news on where they would be at, but I'm I'm guessing they have some sort of plan for it. So hopefully that can work out for them. Uh, it could be important with the wide open draft compared to, to past years. Uh, obviously, there's Lamelo Ball, uh, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, other guys like that who are considered to be the best prospect off the board. Um, a couple other news here. Russell Westbrook is back from COVID protocol. Uh, we all know from last week that Westbrook and Harden didn't travel with the Rockets into the bubble because of certain situations. And then we found out that Westbrook tested positive. And it seems like Harden uh, wasn't positive too so that's good as well uh just as winslow is out for the season with a hip injury uh that's a pretty big blow for the grizzlies uh winslow was a great forward a good body for them to defend and you know make an impact for them for a young team like that and just not having having him will um, will hurt them for sure but you know the grizzlies aren't a team that are up there for title contention is not a huge, huge loss for them just because they aren't expected to make it that far. But just in the realm of them, like that's a pretty huge blow. And then Marvin Bagley out for the season with a lateral right foot sprain. Uh, that's tough because he came back from injury earlier this year from a foot thing, I believe. I don't know if it's the same foot. I may be wrong, but... um. You know, a huge blow for the Kings, but to be honest, like the Grizzlies, the Kings, even much less, um, had a worse chance of making the playoffs anyway. 
with just the type of position they're in and the players they have, uh, it's just tough. So I don't know. Uh, it's hopefully Bagley can be back uh, very healthy next season. Um, but the biggest news for today, uh, it's about a week away from the restart, right? Is that exhibition games have started today. It is just before 4 p.m. So uh, there have already been two games played today. And that was the Wizards and the Nuggets, and then the Magic and the Clippers. And if you've seen the news or anything like that, then you saw you saw the Nuggets starting lineup today. Uh, it kind of just broke Twitter and broke NBA Twitter and reporting today. And it's because Nikola Jokic started at point guard today, who usually starts at center. Uh, Bowl Bowl started at small forward. And if you saw my tweet like yesterday, you saw that I I saw this video. I retweeted this video of Bull Bull in practice, like dunking on someone. And, you know, I, I retweeted with a comment saying like, who remembers that Bull Bulls? Like, did anyone forget that Bull Bull was in the league? Because I sh- sure as hell I did. Right. Like. I totally forgot Bull Bull's rookie and he was in the NBA this year. Uh, he was passed up on up until mid second round by the Heat. And he was picked by the Heat and then he traded to the Nuggets and barely got any playing time this year, uh, which is, you know, it's expected just because, you know, the, the Nuggets have so many great players on their team, so many good role players. Um, where the fit Bull Bull would have, you know, he was supposed to be a lottery pick, but he just kept dropping and dropping and comes out today and scores 16. He has six blocks. Um, he played great. He had 10 rebounds. He had a double, double six blocks. Um, he made two threes. Uh, he was shooting threes. He was running the fast break a couple of times. So great on him. Um, and this is really interesting just because Mike Malone just chose to throw out five forwards to start out the game. Like Jokic starting at point guard isn't that crazy uh, just because he's been playing point center for the past two years. Um, he didn't play Gary Harris or uh, Jamal Murray. And he played Jeremy Grant at the two uh, Paul Millsap and then Miles Plumley at the five. So literally throughout a five man starting lineup with forwards and centers. And that's like incredible to me. Just it's, I, I like it. I mean, to toy around with lineups right now in the exhibition games is great. Um, who knows? Uh, this is just a time for them to get back in shape, a time for coaches to toy with lineups, toy with everything they want to see, how they want to play throughout the season. Obviously, Jokic losing a bunch of weight, uh, looking more nimble uh, at this restart is is good for him too. So running in my point guard wasn't that bad of an idea, to be honest. Um, I'm glad Bull Bull got his opportunity to play. And Looking at the other side with the Wizards, I mean, if you just look at this lineup, right? Bradley Beal isn't playing. John Wall's still out. So they have pretty much no one on their team. And if you just look at the players who they threw out today, um, 
Isaac Bonga. Rui Hachimura was probably their best player. He had 18 and 9. Um, looking good, looking solid. Uh, they threw out Troy Brown. Like the people with the most minutes were Bonga, Hachimura, Troy Brown, Mo Wagner, Mo Wagner, and Jerome Robinson. Like that's, whew, that's, they had the most minutes, but they started uh, Shabazz Napier and Thomas Bryant. Um, and it, it's tough for the Wizards, right? Like it, it, this is just the time to see uh, who can make it to the next year's team, um, how they can develop young guys like Bonga and Hachimura, maybe even Troy Brown as well. So that's all good for them. Uh, there's no real expectation for them to make it to the playoffs at all. Even if they do somehow for a miracle, they would just get blown out, just blown out by the Bucks or the, the Raptors or whoever. And yeah, but the, but the main thing about today is just NBA basketball is back, right? NBA basketball is back and it's, it was weird, you know, checking in and looking at the streams of the games and looking at the court and seeing um, just how everything was set up is very interesting. Um, all the coaches uh, on the benches are all sitting in, in like two, three rows and six feet apart in single chairs, right? So usually an NBA bench is just everyone just lined up on the bench right next to the court, but there's, there's some... There's some space between like the out of bounds line and where the coaches and players are, and the courts are cool. Um, the setup, there's a big screen in the middle for the home team, um, and they play like certain like court or like you know NBA arena like type sounds and crowd attractions. If you know what I mean, like um, you know they they play like crowds chanting defense when the home team's on defense. I heard that. Um, they play mute, sometimes play like beats and music throughout possessions like they do in normal NBA arenas. And so the sounds and just the atmosphere in terms of the arena, obviously no fans. So there is that huge difference of no fan noise, but there is like when it, when the home team scores, you know, they announce like who scored with like enthusiasm. So they even had that. So small things like that. Um, still enhance the viewing of the NBA games today. And uh, at this moment, I think the Pelicans just started playing the Nets. So um, right after I finish recording, I'm definitely going to be watching that. And I'm just really excited, right? Like these teams are back playing and later on we'll have the Kings and the Heat playing. So we'll get to see um, how the Heat are doing and also the Kings. Uh, more so the Heat though. <laughs> Let's be honest here and so let's look at the other game the magic and the clippers the clippers winning uh 99 to 90 um paul george and Kawhi leonard having uh very quiet games but um still looking good i think paul george looked the best out of all of them right uh for today um he had 18 uh he shot six for 13 he had five boards three assists and he was looking good. He had a little buzzer beater there too. Kawhi Leonard, um, very quiet, three for eight, nine points. 
a uh, couple boards, couple assists, couple steals. Um, and, and, th- and that's like, that's expected, right? Like these players are just coming back first game back. Just, it's basically like a preseason game. Um, so it's just preparing, just getting in shape. And so it's just really, just bottom line. It's just really exciting to just, just see everyone back. And, um, it's just gonna be really interesting. But the biggest news uh, that I want to talk about, and I and this episode is pretty much gonna be predicated around, is the NBA awards. And they announced that the NBA awards are cut short due to the suspension of the season. Voting is uh, it started from yesterday, the twenty first, and they have a week to vote, so it's up until the twenty eighth, and it's right before the season is about to start. So they have a week. Um, and so all the voting will end and nothing throughout the, uh, this restart is going to affect who wins, you know, MVP, defensive player of the year, coach of the year, all things like that. And that makes it really interesting just because the races for some of the awards were pretty, uh, close for example like for MVP there was Giannis versus LeBron um, defensive player of the year Giannis again or like Anthony Davis or whoever um, so there were still chances for some of these guys to make an impact even for rookie of the year uh, John Moran Zion Williamson if Zion was able to lead them to the playoffs who knows uh, maybe he would have won rookie of the year for you know maybe even beating John Moran um, to make it to the eighth or seventh spot or whoever. And uh, I actually have my picks for the NBA awards. And um, maybe some of these picks will be uh, surprising, but I think a lot of these guys who I pick um, for these awards are very de- deserving, even though there are a, a ton of other players um, for each position, or not for each position, but for each award, um, there are some awards that were really, really hard to determine. And let's get into it. So we're going to go in kind of reverse order here. We're going to leave. Uh, we're going to go in the order of coach of the year first and then six man and then um, most improved player and then rookie of the year. And then defensive player of the year and round it off with MVP. Uh, just because MVP was the most debated, debated out of all these ones, I think, and obviously MVP is probably the biggest award for an individual player uh, that they can win, um, showing off their skills throughout the entire season. Although it's a short season, some of these awards were already decided, you know, by like February or March when the season was ending, anyways. So I'm gonna look at it in that vacuum of just. Uh, everything that happened before the suspension, obviously. So, uh, my coach of the year, I think for me, it's an easy decision. I went with Dick Nurse. Uh, no one and absolutely no one thought that the Raptors would be right back in title contention this season after losing Kawhi and Danny Green, um, a superstar and one of the best three players in the league, and then a great veteran who helped them win uh, last year uh, in the NBA Finals. Even with players who people question how much they had left in the tank, like Ibaka and Lowry and even Gasol for a little bit, right? Um, 
and just getting new players to seeming seeming seamlessly fit, excuse me, uh, into the system where that they already had in place um, since Nick Nurse came became the head coach last year. Uh, getting production out of guys like uh, rookies like Terrence Davis and young guys like Chris Boucher. Uh, I mean, everything that they did uh, team wise was just incredible this season. Uh, Nurse's offensive system and defensive game planning. Uh, literally makes them one of the most scariest teams going for the title. Uh, whether you believe it or not, like they are top three, top four best teams in the NBA. With some players in and out of the lineups due to injuries, um, you know, Siaka missed a couple games here, Ibaka missed some games, Lowry missed some games, Gasol missed a good part of the season. Um, Nurse has done way more than just keeping them afloat, right? You don't they, like he wasn't just okay. Like gotta get through these five, ten games to wait until Siakam gets back or wait till whoever gets back. It's literally like next man up mentality, and they play as a team. And just the system they have in place is because of Nick Nurse and a lot of their um, a lot of their success. Yes, is due to these players. You know, uh, staying great and not dropping off like no one really had the raptors uh the number two seed entering the season everyone was like oh yeah they'll make i mean they'll make the playoffs because it's the east maybe a sixth seed maybe a fifth maybe top four at best but still like there are there were tons of other teams in the east like the bucks like the sixers like the celtics who we're supposed to be better than them. And now we're sitting here. Um, the Raptors are six and a half games back of the Bucks. After the Bucks, literally going for an historic season, um, going for a 70 win season. And, you know, that's something that is great for the Raptors and something that no one thought would happen. So I think it's an easy decision for me. It's Nick Nurse. Um, moving on. So six man of the year. I think this one was a little hard for me just because, uh, well, six man is always kind of difficult when there's not a like a definitive favorite, right? And the past two years, it's been Lou Williams, no doubt about it. And, you know, my first thought right now when I was, you know, doing my research was Lou Williams. Like the Clippers are still great. And... Still comes off the bench, still has great numbers off the bench. Um, But I actually went with Dennis Schroeder. And here's my argument. So Dennis Schroeder is having perhaps probably his best season of his career. He comes off the bench. Um, He's just a shade under his career best in box plus minus. He's uh, easily cleared his career highs in uh, his effective field goal percentage and threes. Um... He's been a great key component for literally one of the NBA's best lineups um, with the three-guard lineup of Paul, SGA, and Schroeder, along with Gallinari and Steven Adams, is one of the best five-man lineups ever. I'm not, not ever, but one of the five best five-man lineups in the league right now. They've outscored opponents by an eye-popping uh, 31.4 points per 100 possessions, a net rating that ranks in the 100th percentile. And we're not even talking about like a, a small sample size. They literally have shared the floor for 850 possessions. Um, 
and he's leading the league in bench scoring at 19 points per game. And also, I mean, they've played that five man lineup has played 177 minutes and they're literally plus on everything per hundred possessions, uh, free throws, effective field goal percentage, three point percentage, um, three point makes field goal percentage, uh, rebounding, uh, just in points plus 26.8 points per hundred possessions when with that five guard lineup, like they, it's disgusting. It's literally, they play so well together and this is what Billy Donovan wanted was to run this three guard lineup and it's working really well for them. Um, my next choice would have been Montrezl Harrell. Um, just of his impact defensively and to, just the kind of anger he is for the Clippers. Um, the arguments for Lou Will, three peening as six man of the year, has kind of diminished due to having less of an impact. Um, his points per game is less, and that's literally why he's usually six man of the year, just because he gets so many buckets. Um, but it's also just, just due to their success in terms of having talent, right? Like a lot of their, uh, a lot of the Clippers wins is because of their talent. Um, and I think it's hard to win six man of the year, three times in a row. Um, I don't know if Jamal Crawford ever done it. I would have to look into that, but I think Dennis Schroeder just deserves it more. Led the bench in scoring. He's out having his best season of his career and doing it, uh, everyone thought Dennis Schroeder was just whatever, um, but his this his his like uh, quintessential role on a team is just being a six man and scoring and being a third guard off the bench and just adding that another dynamic for the Thunder. And a lot of their success is yes because of Chris Paul's resurgence, but also uh, this th- this three guard lineup is great. And part of the reason that is because of Dennis Schroeder. And so I think he deserves six man of the year. And it'd just be a great accomplishment for him. So maybe I'm a little, being a little biased, but I think he deserves it a lot. Uh, moving on to most improved player of the year. This one was probably the hardest one to um, to determine just because I had like four guys all in the range of winning this and I wouldn't be mad about it. So uh, in the end, I went with Devontae Graham. Um, he became the team's most reliable scorer, has great range, shooting ability. He went from averaging 4.7 points per game last year to 18.2 this year. Although it came from having more opportunity, he made the best of it and he was great for uh, a period of time. Not a period of time, but like throughout the whole season, he was proving everyone wrong like some players just come back and have you know these small five to ten game stretches but he was consistently game after game uh doing really well and although the the hornets aren't very good uh, i think they are 10th in the east um so they weren't they're like a game or two away from being invited to the bubble if they were in the Wizards position. The Wizards are 24 and 40. The Hornets are 23 and 42. So they're about a game and a half um, away from even making the bubble. So 
I think just his rise was so unexpected and that's usually what most improved players uh who the award goes to right are those players that kind of just pop off for a season um out of nowhere uh it was really hard just i right i had like three to four guys i really deserved it i also had bam on a buy on my list brandon ingram even siakam and all three of them became all-stars this year uh siakam won the most improved player last year um so it's hard to really win that again uh back-to-back years uh because he had more opportunity to do well and he already rose uh throughout the nba finals and then coming back without Kawhi, more opportunity um although he made the best of his opportunity because he's one of the he was one of the best 10 players in the league this year um I think the best argument for Graham was just the rise was just never expected and he had more minutes and more opportunities like other guys, but the difference between last year and this year was just so much greater than the others. His impact was just so much greater because this is a guy who was picked, I think, in the second round, uh, was barely, you know, scoring five points per game last year and then comes on this year, starts, and is shooting the lights out. So I think he led the league in three-pointers for a good amount of the season. Um and he's just been great. Um, and I love the other guys on the list. I love Bam Adebayo. I love Ingram. Um, and I love Pascal Siakam. But I think um, these, those other guys ha- has shown so much talent and potential throughout the past couple seasons. And so this rise wasn't too crazy. Um and I think Devontae Graham's was just his rise was just better. But I wouldn't be mad if any of those four guys wouldn't want it. Like I this decision was really hard for me. Uh moving on to uh Jean Morant as rookie of the year. I think it's a no-brainer, especially with the season being shortened and no opportunity for Zion to play more. And even then, even if the season wasn't cut short and Jaw and Zion were doing the same things they were doing for the rest of the season. I think it's still Jaw Morant, unless the Grizzlies ended up like losing that spot. Um, I think that was just the main thing. But even if Zion were to make that eighth spot and not Jaw Morant, I think it's still Jaw Morant. Um, Right out of the jump, right? Josh showed he was levels above every rookie. Um, showing athleticism, craftiness, and overall great point guard play. Uh, rookie point guards on a rebuilding team are not supposed to be this good this early. They're not supposed to be uh, this great. And just his knowledge and IQ and just his craftiness and just the way he made an impact on this team. And just having crazy ridiculous plays. Even his misses on dunks uh, were highlight reels like... Um, rebuilding teams with young point guards they usually are um, just inefficient they uh, have some flashes but never can get them wins but literally this the Grizzlies went from one of the worst teams in the league and in the west to fighting for a playoff spot and literally being in the eighth spot right now so uh, I don't think it's a question that John Morant is a rookie of the year he literally has the potential to be the best point guard or even the best player in the league. He's a future MVP. I think um, him, Luca, those two guards are going to have 
amazing careers for years to come. And those guys are going to be the face of the league as guards. And um, I think it's a no question that John Morant is rookie of the year. So moving on to these last two uh, NBA awards and the reason why I'm pairing these two up is because these last two awards, MVP and MVP, <laughs> my voice cracked, MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. The reason why I'm pairing it up is because they are the same player. I'm giving these two awards to Giannis Antetokounmpo, your 2019-2020 MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, which hasn't been done since Akeem Lajuan and Michael Jordan. And um, let me give you my case for Defensive Player of the Year. I think because MVP, that discussion is pretty self-explanatory. Um, Giannis, the defensive numbers for the Bucks when he's on the court are just insane. Um, and he is that defensive anchor. No one else on that team is defensive anchor. No one else on that team um, adds as much impact when they're on the court. Um, anchoring defense says more about a defensive player of the year. And that is why Rudy Gobert has been winning it recently, along with Draymond Green, because they have been the anchors of the defense of their respective teams. The other person, obviously, I was considering is Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis has been a great defensive player of the year. I mean, great defensive player all year. Um, AD has great block numbers. But anchors are the usually are usually the players that usually win uh, for defensive player of the year. In recent years, obviously we have Gobert and Draymond. Um, the Bucks defensive numbers are just too good when Giannis are on the floor. The knock on Davis um, is just that the Lakers are minus 0.9 points per 100 possessions when he was on the floor without LeBron. Um, and that may be due to um, offensive no, offensively. Um, because Davis is a clear number two to LeBron offensively. Uh, but I saw defensive numbers and they're just, they're not as great. Um, and that may just because of the players around uh, AD uh, when LeBron is off the floor. But I think AD has so much responsibility and we've seen uh, how much a load can wear on Anthony Davis, right? When he's alone superstar on that team uh we've seen it with the pelicans as talented as great as he is he may not be that defensive anchor that uh that the lakers need to or that he needs to be to be the defensive player of the year and that's no knock on anthony davis because he just got beat out by this generational talent for defensive player of the year like that's it's not that crazy to think that Giannis is defensive of the year and MVP. Uh, Giannis, in addition to his 12.7 rebounds, which is first this season and third most all-time averaging, uh, 1.1 steals and 1.1 blocks per 75 possessions. Milwaukee uh, allows 11.3 fewer points per 100 possessions when Giannis is on the floor, giving a defensive rating swing that ranked in the 98th percentile. 
for even further context, the Bucks allow just 97.7 points per 100 possessions when Giannis plays. The league average defensive rating this season is 100.4. So they literally allow 13 points less than the league average when Giannis is just on the floor. Um, although that is also def- offensively, that is mostly defensively too. He is, his range defensively reaches the entire half court set. Um, he could defend perimeter players. He could defend low post players. He could defend uh, the mid range. He could contest any type of shot. He is insane. And it was very close for me. Uh, I think just the impact that Giannis has compared to AD is just greater. And it's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much it. That, that's that's my argument. Um, Gian, AD had the better block numbers than Giannis, but just everywhere around like defensive wind shares and everything like that, um, Giannis was just better. And that pretty much leads up to my case for Giannis's MVP. I think just the consistency he's had, the dominance. Um, this season just reminds me of Steph Curry 2016 year, uh, his unanimous MVP year. I think um, coming off of a great season, of a great MVP season, just coming back and being even better and having more of an impact. His 11.5 box plus minus is ninth best single season mark in NBA history. Uh, just like Curry... Uh, in 2016, Giannis hasn't needed to play a ton of minutes for his team to put games away early. Um, if you remember 2016, like Curry barely played like fourth quarters just because he would just make his mark in the first half in the third, especially in the third quarter, like infamously, the third quarter was great for the, for that Warriors team and just any Warriors team these past five years. Um, for the season, he's only averaging 31 minutes per game and, the thing about that is I play, people would hold that against him, like, oh, his team is too good. But I think not even having to play that much and having that much impact and being able to put teams away early and just dominating like that, like, how does that not improve your case for MVP, right? If he's playing like 20, 25 minutes per game, like that would just be insane. But he's only averaging 30 minutes. LeBron has to play like 40-something minutes. And I get it, right? Like, yeah, that's what makes the MVP. But I think just the consistency and just the the overall impact he has on this team and just the, the historic feats that he's accomplished this year has just been way too good to pass as MVP. He's not unanimous. I don't think LeBron will get a good amount of votes, but I think Giannis should be MVP. I think it's a no-brainer. Um, and yeah, so let's go through that again. Coach of the year, Nick Nurse, Dennis Schroeder, sixth man of the year, most improved player, Devontae Graham, rookie of the year, John Morant, and defensive of the year, and MVP. The first time since Akeem Lajuan and Michael Jordan, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. And yeah, so those are my NBA awards. I think I'll be mostly right. Um, if I'm completely wrong with some of these then that's just how it is. But I think I made some pretty good picks. Um, if you 
uh, want to add some points to that, you can always DM me on Twitter. I love having conversations like this. Um, I love doing this episode. I'm really excited for the NBA to be back. It's about a week. Everything is going great for the NBA. They're even building an NBA barbershop, which is pretty funny. Um, but it's looking good for the NBA. And for someone that was looking at it very negatively uh, the past couple of weeks and some of these news coming out this week has just been really good for the NBA. So very exciting. I'm going to go catch this Pelicans game and the Heat game um, soon. So if you enjoyed this episode, please follow, follow the Spotify or follow um, wherever you get your podcast. Follow the Twitter at Dishes and Dimes. Going to be tweeting a lot more now that you know the season is coming back. A lot more things to talk about, a lot more intriguing things to see when the NBA restarts on July 30th. And yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you do like and share, do all that stuff. Um, and yeah, hopefully everyone is staying safe. Uh, California where I live has just passed New York as the most confirmed cases in the United States. So that's scary for me. Um, it's scary for a lot of my friends and family here. So hopefully, uh, you are all doing safe and let's get excited for NBA basketball, y'all. Um, it's going to be a great time. So until next time, peace.